welcome to episodes 15 of the Sparking Possibility podcast. My name is Sydney Vesely, and I'm a coach, consultant, speaker, mom, and wife. My mission is to live an inspired life on purpose, and I believe that's ultimately what we are all here to do. It's why I get out of bed every morning with the intention to live each day to the fullest and support others to do the same. Today's episode is a reminder to stop playing small and live the life you were destined for. Nelson Mandela said there is no passion to be found playing small and settling for a life that is less than the one you are capable of living. What are you settling for right now? Where are you playing small right now? What are you more capable of? When we're playing small, we're coming from a space of comfort and security. We might be doing what we know and have always known because it's easy and safe. It doesn't challenge us. Life is predictable. We aren't challenged and as a result, we don't grow because we never step outside our comfort zone. When we're playing a bigger game and living the life we're destined for, we show up as our true authentic selves and we step into our power. We stretch ourselves, we try new things, and we may fail and then we try them again. It's uncomfortable, it's a vulnerable space to be in, but time and time again, it rewards us with growth, new learning, and new opportunities. When we play a bigger game, our lives are more rewarding and we can show up in service to others as the most powerful version of ourselves. So today I'm going to share a few stories from my own experience in regard to what this has looked like for me. And then I'm going to ask you to grab a pen and paper because there's going to be some coaching questions that will give you some practical, hopefully some practical answers and tools to apply in your own life. So I'll start out by sharing a story of myself as a child. So as a kid, I was absolutely painfully shy and I grew up in a large Polynesian family and together we would always come together for big family events like birthdays or special occasions and there would be huge feasts lots of delicious food and in addition to that all of the kids in the family were asked to perform an item and so by an item sort of like a variety show put on by the kids where the kids would recite a poem or sing a song or do a dance and all of the family would gather around and watch the kids perform. So as this painfully shy, introverted child, I loved performing items. However, I was terrified of doing it. And so when it was my turn to get up and perform my item, everybody in the room had to either turn around and face the other way, or they had to close their eyes. And I would still go ahead and sing my song or recite my poem or whatever it was I was doing. And at the end, my family would give me a big clap and cheer for me. And regardless of whether or not they had their eyes closed or not, I enjoyed doing it and I wanted to do it again. And so that drive that sort of willingness to put myself out there despite the fact that I was painfully shy and it was really difficult for me led me down the path of entering speech competitions at school. So if you were to speak to me 
just as another student in my class, I would probably say hardly anything. I would never raise my hand and answer questions when the teacher would ask. But in a speech competition, if you were to see me on stage, you would see a completely different version of this child up there on the stage delivering a perfect speech. And so that then led me to seek out more opportunities for myself where I could speak. In my own career, when I had opportunities to say facilitate or deliver workshops, I looked for those opportunities and I purposely made time in my calendar to do those things because those were activities that made me feel strong. And despite continuing to be quite a private, shy, reserved adult, when I was facilitating or speaking in front of a group or in front of the room, I actually almost became this most powerful version of myself in front of others on stage. And so shifting from facilitating groups and delivering workshops led me to join Toastmasters. And then from there, looking into the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers and obtaining a membership with that group. Following on from there, thinking about what if I were to do this professionally? What if I actually got paid to speak on stages? And so back in 2013, when I first started pursuing my business, I went out of my way to really challenge myself and put myself out there and secured my first big speaking gig at a conference called the Pajama Party in Jasper. And I had posted about this on my Facebook page about a week ago where, and I was looking at this website and I was thinking if ever I were to speak anywhere, this particular women's conference would be somewhere I really would enjoy speaking and sharing my message and connecting with other women. It was fun, it was engaging, it was something that spoke to me. And I had no idea around how to go about getting onto that particular stage or being part of that conference. And so what I had done is I emailed the event organizer and just let her know that this was something that I did. It was something I was passionate about. Um, here's what the session could look like. And lo and behold, she said yes. She was the first person that said yes to me. And that was my first paid speaking gig. And so from there, that then opened the door to other speaking engagements, conference talks, keynotes, and basically the beginning of speaking on stages regularly. Did it mean that I was no longer this shy, introverted person? No, it didn't mean that. But what it meant was that I was stretching outside of my comfort zone and I was willing to play a bigger game in service of my talents and in service of others, what I could offer in terms of delivering a message to people who really resonated with what I had to share. So that pattern actually continued throughout my adult life. And I call it um, sort of like the struggle of trying to find my own authentic voice. So interestingly enough, when my oldest daughter was in grade 12 and I was working full time, I decided it would be a good time for me to go back and do my master's program. After about 10 or more years of being in the workforce, um, being out of university, it just seemed like a good time to go back and pursue my master's. And so I did my master's degree in leadership. But part of that program and going through that program was working in pairs, working with learning partners, working with teams, working closely with your instructors, 
And throughout the process, you were given feedback by your peers and instructors on a regular basis. And so here's Sinevi, picture this introverted kid, um, not necessarily one to put up her hand or call out her answers or offer her thoughts or share broadly, being quite a private person. And all of a sudden, I'm in my master's program and there's a participation grade attached to the program and in addition to that here I am just taking in everything that's being shared sitting back in class doing what introverts do taking in all the ideas reflecting on them forming questions on my mind just sitting there sort of in my own little world in my head and not even entertaining the thought once of putting up my hand to share my thoughts because I didn't want to have to compete with the noise of the extroverts all getting in there every chance the instructor took a pause to offer a suggestion or share a comment or share a piece of wisdom. So I had absolutely no desire to fight for airtime with the extroverts. But part of the feedback that I got from my instructors and also from my peers was that we need to hear from you. We need to hear your voice your contributions matter. And so occasionally I would share something, but it typically tended to be only if it was something that I thought would really add value to the conversation. If it was well thought out, if it was well structured, then I would offer my contribution. And the feedback I got was that those contributions you make are so valuable. And by not offering them frequently or not sharing them openly, you're actually doing a disservice to us and our learning and also to yourself. And so what I took away from my master's program was that I need to bring that version of myself into all aspects of my life. So funnily enough, yes, that version of myself translated into the workplace where I would be in meetings and I would withhold different ideas, different thoughts, different suggestions, again, not wanting to compete for airtime and thinking that only if I have something really important to share, I'm going to share. And I learned by withholding, I was actually continuing to play a small game, continuing to make myself small, continuing to be invisible, continuing not to live up to my own leadership potential. And by doing that, it really got in the way of me being able to share all the different parts of myself and share my own experience and my stories and my wisdom. And it kept me from being vulnerable and being able to connect with others. It's only been over the past few years that I have been actively working on and finally starting to break through this barrier for myself of being able to share my authentic voice. And what shifted? I think with COVID, with the world events, with changes that I've made in my professional life, with being a coach and coaching others and being coached myself, that I finally come to a place where I am comfortable and I am confident and I am happy to share my voice with others. I feel that now more than ever, I need to use my voice to speak the truth, to advocate for others and to share my experience to support others to be able to do the same. 
So I'm going to walk you through a coaching exercise. I'm going to ask you to grab a pen and paper so you can jot these questions down. You can take as much time as you need to reflect on the questions, but just make sure you jot them down so that you've got them as a reference and you can work through them in your own time. To start out, I'm going to ask you the coaching questions that I posed at the beginning of this podcast. So question number one, what are you settling for right now? Number two, where are you playing small right now? And number three, what more are you capable of? So those are pretty big, heavy, lofty questions, but I do invite you to take the time you need to maybe journal through them, spend some time reflecting on them and get really clear on what it is you're settling for, where you're playing small and what you are more capable of, what you know in your heart you're more capable of. Then we're going to take it a step further. So whenever we are choosing a behavior, the reason we're choosing that behavior is because there's some sort of reward we're getting out of it. As Dr. Phil says, how's that working for you? There's always something we get, whether it's a positive behavior or a negative behavior, we're always taking something away when we're choosing a particular behavior. So that's sort of the mindset around this next set of questions. The first question, what are the benefits of settling? So if you've identified on your list that there are things, there are areas in your life where you are settling, what are some of the benefits of settling for you? How has settling made you feel comfortable and safe? Next question, what is working for you in playing small? So what is working for you in playing small? And finally, what don't you have to say, do, or address by playing small? All right. So take the time that you need to reflect on those questions, journal out your answers, get some clarity around those areas. And here's your last set of questions for this particular coaching exercise. The first one. What is playing small costing you? So what is playing small costing you? Second one, what, if anything, are you missing by staying stuck in your comfort zone? What could you do, say, or address if you played a bigger game? And what would change in your life if you played a bigger game? For the month of September, the focus of all of my content on social media is all around what I'm referring to as the September reboot. It's the start of a new season. It's a time to renew, refocus, recommit, and hit the reset button. So if you recognize in yourself from listening to this podcast that you have been stuck, that you have been playing small, and you're not living the life you were destined to lead, then use this particular episode, use those coaching questions as a guide to start to propel you forward and to start to take one small step outside of that safe space, outside of your action zone, or sorry, outside of your comfort zone so that you can take committed action. You can take one small step to help move you forward. I'm going to leave you with a quote, and I know I've shared this quote before because it is actually my favorite quote from Marianne Williamson. She says this, 
Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. As we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. And as we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Thank you for joining me here in this space today. Tune into the Sparking Possibility podcast. There will be regular episodes coming every couple of weeks until the end of 2020. I look forward to hearing what your thoughts are around this podcast. Take some time to leave me a comment. Would love to hear what you think. Take care, everybody. Until next time, see you then. Thank you.